It's good to be with you again. Some of you may remember me, and some of you have then remembered me like a shade or a fog. I came in and I left. And yet we are brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we cannot just think in terms of who is here and who is there, but rather the church is a place where people are coming together from many nations. I understand there are some people from other nations here. Pastor Horin has spoken about the joy that uh, you all have of inviting others from other nations to be part. This is really a thrust of Psalm 47. Notice verse 1. Clap your hands, all your nations. All your nations. We have to begin to see that we are not just not isolated here in Normal or Bloomington or El Paso, but rather we are part of a world, a world where God is the creator, he loves his creatures, and he's patient with his creatures. Notice what we have just sung. Images. God is like a shepherd. God is like a king. God is like a sheep. Yes, Jesus says that he is the sheep. And for some people, this is offensive. But how can we speak about God whom we have not seen? How can we speak about God who is not comprehensible in that he is God and we are just so small in his world? What happens all too many times is when we are so small in the world, we are like a cat or an animal, and the cat shows its strength by just, just bending over and hissing. And so, as human beings, many times we think by making a lot of noise that we are witnessing. But the witness is really out of a def deference for who God is, where we show that God is number one and we are not, where we learn to have respect. One of the problems that young people have, and I'm sorry to blame young people for that because this illustrates what has happened also in our families, namely deference, respect. Respect not just for oneself, but also respect for others, where we are able to come to other people not as a property or like a rug that we can just step on, but rather where we have learned what it is to see God in all of creation, all of creation, where all human beings have an inherent dignity, they are created in the image of God. So Psalm 47 brings us together in terms of our relationship with who God is. In Psalm 46, you have read about Zion, a mighty fortress is our God. It's great to think in terms of our God is a mighty fortress. Notice again the image. These are called framing images, just like you have this building, has a certain framing, and so the Psalms have framing. You already have gone through some 46 Psalms. Congratulations. There are another hundred some waiting for you. And it is a wonderful journey because what the Psalmists are trying to do is to bring you into another world that is more real than the world in which you think you find reality. There is a world of God, a transcendent world, 
just like I just had to step up to the podium, so God brings us closer to himself. And as we are closer to himself, there is a greater intimacy, a, a sense of respect that we have for God that carries over to others, a sense of love that we have for God that carries over to others. In other words, when we have been in the very presence of God, we are more quiet. We are less nervous. We don't need to be like a cat, just bending over, hissing, but rather we can be like kitty cats, much more gentle. And this is so important. I'll tell you already from the outset and then come back to it again. Why? Because all too often we fight one another as Christians. And that is unnecessary. We have to see that we have one God, one Lord Jesus Christ, one Holy Spirit, and the triune God is the God who works together all things so that we can be the beneficiaries of the outworking of the plan of God. Now, I realize that in other religions, God is much more distant. But one of the beauty beautiful things in scripture is that God comes to us and talks to us like parents to babies. Have you ever seen a parent who talks to the baby and says, I want to prove to you that God exists. You don't begin there. You say, I prove that I love you as a parent. And then later on that God loves us and he loves me too. So it is in terms of these images that are so powerful where we can see that God is real and he has shown himself by coming into this world and then loving us so much. So a mighty fortress is our God. What do you say about Jesus Christ at the cross? Is he the mighty fortress? Yes, he is. Why did he have to go to the cross? In order to demonstrate the depth of his love, he would give himself for us. And this is the nature of God. Psalm 46, God is like Zion, a city, mighty. As you turn then to a little bit later to Psalm 48, you find a further description of the might of that city. It is a metaphor, it's an image, but an image that, that we can dwell in. In other words, all of us are citizens of the New Jerusalem. Can you see yourself? having a little place in the new Jerusalem. Dwell on that. Can you see yourself as then being taken care of by the Lord Jesus Christ? That the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Where we have these images that give us then a sense that's concrete. Oh, we know that Jesus does not look like a shepherd, but it's an image. We know that Zion is an image of the people of God protected by God as a fortress. In Psalm 36, you read as to how Zion is a place of rivers flowing. It is a place of fine food. Why? In a land that has a problem with water, it is a Good comfort that God takes care of his people. He provides them with water like a shepherd takes care of the sheep. So the psalmist is, as it were, bringing God to us. And at the same time, there's a sense of transcendence. He is God. 
He is exalted. That is the point of Psalm 47. 46, God is a mighty fortress. 48, God is a mighty fortress. Now, it's like a bridge. Yeah. And in Psalm 46, that God is the fortress. Again, in Psalm 48, the bridge brings us then together. There we can go from Psalm 46 to 48 and understand Psalm 48 better, 49 better. Let me use another image. The 150 Psalms are like 150 building blocks, large building blocks. They fit together. You have to know where you are. Just don't read the Psalm, but know if you are in book one, book two, book three, book four, book five, and that you become more and more familiar. And over the years, you will go from one book to another. And you see that there are different authors. There are different times represented. Listen, all these authors over, let's say, a thousand years have experienced God and they have spoken about the nature of God. Their witness is collaborative in that they are saying something different and yet it all comes together. It's as it were that you have a one part of the building is constructed, then another part, another, because there is one architect, and that's God himself. So having given that kind of an introduction, let us notice then in Psalm 46 that there's a lead into Psalm 47. Psalm 47 speaks about the exaltation of God, the excellence of God. What do you read in Psalm 46, verse 10? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted. Do you see that word, exalted? That's a key word in Psalm 47. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So there again you have the fortress imagery, but God is with us. Psalm 48 speaks again the language of Psalm 47. Like your name, O God, your praise reaches to the ends of the earth, which is the main theme of Psalm 47, namely that let the nations clap their hands when they see what God has done. It is not that God is concerned with Israel or with the Jewish people only. God is concerned with humanity at large. And the trouble that we have is that all too often we see God's love toward us. But God's love toward us is to be a witness to the world who God is. That we can speak as easily about God as we can speak about apple pie. In that God comes to us. The Lord Almighty is with us. So Psalm 47 is set in between two Zion Psalms. What is Psalm 47 saying? God is not just with us from time to time. He is with us all the time. His kingdom is everlasting. And his kingdom is also expanding to the ends of the earth. His kingdom is in heaven and on earth. It's unlike the experience we have. We have regularly elections. When I was five years old in the Netherlands, Queen Juliana was coronated. But she has passed away in the meantime. Then her daughter was coronated. What about Queen Elizabeth? 
Some four years after the coronation of Queen Juliana of the Netherlands, we have the coronation of uh, Queen Elizabeth II. And she has then for 70 years been queen. But her reign will come to an end. What is it that we are looking for? A reign that continues on and on and on, that is stable, that's reliable. That is what Psalm 47 is all about. God is God. And he is God in such a way that he exalts everything that we know. Let me give you an illustration. You may have heard of the name Jeff Bezos or Bezos. Very rich, very powerful. He has ordered a yacht to be built in Rotterdam, and it is finished. But in order for that yacht to go onto the sea and the ocean, that yacht has to have a bridge that is taller than the three towers. The three towers on the ship, which is then 417 feet long, cost half a billion dollars only, has three masts, you know those pipes that you have, and the masts are more than 200 feet tall. The bridges around Rotterdam cannot permit that ship to go through. So Be Bezos is saying, just make some changes and let my ship go through. The Dutch are saying, sorry, Mr. Bezos, Money does not buy everything. You see that your yacht is a little shorter, and then you can make it. I like that kind of a response, because many people think that they can just spread their money around and have power. There is someone who has more power, and in this case, it is the civil authorities in, in, Amsterdam, in Rotterdam who have said, so far, no further. That's what Psalm 47 wants to do. Namely, think about then human exaltation. We all the time think as to how we can get more. We scheme and we in, at the same time destroy our integrity. What is it that gives a witness to the nations? The witness to the nations is when nations see there is a kingdom, a rule, a government, that is concerned with people. We have a difficult time with our concern with people because all the time it is one climbing over the other, trying then to be top and be glorious. Notice Psalm 47 as a bridge is teaching us the God of the Psalms. Who is he? He is holy, he is glorious, he is greater than the angels, greater than any idols. He is greater than the nations, than kings, than saints, geographical features. You read the Psalms. God is great. God is great. God is great. And so what we have then is the language of God's exaltation. There is nothing that is more excellent than God himself. I want to illustrate that by other kingship Psalms where you can see a patterning happening that Psalm 47 shares in the pattern of then God's ancient people praising God for his greatness. Listen to Psalm 24 that you already have covered. Incidentally, do you remember Psalm 20, 24? 
Do you remember the psalm that we spoke about a year ago? I'll give you a key. It is Psalm 34. Do you remember the language of, Oh, come and taste that the Lord is good? I encourage you, and here is the seminary professor in me. Get to know these blocks, these psalms, and know where a particular psalm is located, and say, this is very similar to that psalm and to that psalm. You're not too old. Spend time in the psalms. Why? You get to know who God is. When you get to know who God is, you get to know who Jesus Christ is. All too often we have the familiar story, but the psalmists are able to give us unfamiliar themes, unfamiliar building blocks. And we say, is that in the Bible? Yes, it is in the Bible. Why? Because God is willing to come to us and speak in our language and help us understand who he is in a way that we can understand it. So Psalm 24 is a very important one. Why? Because it's right after Psalm 23. Brilliant. But in what do we read in Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. The next psalm, listen to this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Do you hear the difference? The Lord is my shepherd. And all of a sudden, Psalm 24, look at the whole of the world. The earth is the Lord's. The world and all who live in it. And he founded it upon the seas, established it on the waters. Now, very important. Verse 7. Lift up your heads, O your gates. Be lifted, you ancient doors. Can you imagine here the image, again, of Jeff Bezos and his yacht? He wishes that he could say, lift up so that my yacht can come through. But it's not working. The psalmist says, lift up. Any constriction, any limitation, open widely, go up so that the king of glory may enter. In other words, where we are able to expand our vision. But here is the key. If I don't respect people, if I don't respect myself, I just remain occupied with myself. Open up so that I may come in. Are you with me? Not so, Psalm 24. Open up wide, high, so that the king of glory may come in. And the question is raised then, who is the king of glory? And the answer is, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. God is a warrior. He will come to take care of his people. That's one image. God is the creator king. Secondly, and there are a number of psalms that are kingship psalms around Psalm 93. Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established, firm and secure. Your throne established long ago. You are from all eternity. In other words, God's kingdom is not for 50 or 100 years. It is forever. It is not weak. It is strong. But what happens when there are wars on earth? The psalmist still says, the Lord is our mighty fortress. 
with all the disappointments that we may experience. Here, too, God is a warrior, and he will take care of his people. Where? Everywhere. So when? Forever. Where? Everywhere. And we have to have this creational image. Let me just share with you my burden. All too often, we spiritualize what God has made as real. God has made a world. We want to spiritualize it. It is a real world. It is a world we can study, and we can rejoice in getting to know more and more of this world. God's creation is just not to defend the doctrine, namely that God is the creator, but rather that we can work and live on this earth. As the psalmist says, God's creation is secure. And it is that security that we can take into life where we don't have to be eaten or fretting ourselves with fear. Psalm 95. The Lord is great, the great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. The mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. In other words, open your eyes to God who is big. When do you experience God's bigness? When the weather is nice, when the storms are over, and you are able to continue your life, when wars come to an end. There are all these things that are bothering us. But God is saying, come to me. Do not be afraid. So what about the COVID-19? That is nothing. No problem for God. What about then the monkeypox? Again, no problem with God. We need more time to spend in prayer. That the God of creation, he's inviting us to speak to him and that we can worship him. And all of a sudden, there is this burden that is falling down. And there is this trouble that comes to an end. Let me put it like this. If I am concerned with one thing and one thing only, and that's what often happens in Christian families, then I pay attention to only one thing. But if I pay attention to 10 things, something may go right. Do you see the odds are in favor? If I pay attention to 100 things, more things may go right, etc., etc. In other words, your concern with your neighbor, your concern with internationals, will pay off. Not immediately, but God is a God who is concerned with the whole earth. Before the service, I was speaking with a pastor about a song that some of you may still remember, Mahalia Jackson. Does anyone remember the name Mahalia Jackson? He holds the whole world in his hands. He holds you and me, baby, in his hands. Beautiful. The African-American voice, deep. But that is the whole thing. My friends, we are not opening our eyes to being more like Christ because we are closing our eyes to our own concern. And God is asking us to look at the mountains. They are his. To look at the seas. They are his. Some of you may know the name Augustine. St. Augustine from around the year 400, wonderful Christian. 
He and his mother, Monica, were in Milan, and they were at a hotel, an inn, and they were looking over a garden. And it was as if God said, through the plants that they were watching, the plants were saying, God has made me. God has made me. God has made me. God has made me. There was a witness from creation saying, God has made us. Do we pay attention to plants? Do we pay attention to animals? Are you following me? The more we pay attention to the world that is God's world, the more we are able to see that God is good and that he is faithful and loving forever and ever and ever. Now, another psalm, uh, still praising God's creation. Psalm 96, let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. All the trees of the forest, let them sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord. For he comes, he comes to be king over the peoples of the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and peoples in faithfulness. So let me illustrate that. Some of you may be waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ to come, and that will be the end of this world. That should not be our perspective. Our perspective should be that God's kingdom may come, not so that I can get out of this world and enjoy an everlasting presence with God. Pray for the kingdom in all of its dimensions, the nations where people are serving in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, neighbors that are not Christians. Show yourself to be a Christian. I may have used this image last year too, and I'll say that till I die. What God is looking for is that we have conversations with people, not conversions. Why? Who is the one who converts? God. But you have an opportunity to have a conversation. And that means that you have conversations for years. You may have to be very faithful and continue to speak to people. Here is the ugly Christian. I offer you the gospel. And you don't want the gospel? Shame on you. That is not the gospel. It is that we love people authentically. And so when we have this perspective, the whole of the earth is the Lord. The whole of the earth is praising, including the nations. Listen to this language in Psalm 99. The Lord reigns, let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all nations. Let them praise, let them. And praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. Now, one more, Psalm 103. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Who is obedient to God? The nations, creation, the angels. Wherever you go, in heaven, or on earth, there God has people and ways in which then there is going to be the joy and the confidence that people have in who God is. Let me make another point. 
it's not so much that we have to speak about the gifts that God offers in Jesus Christ. He says, pay attention to the giver. Are you with me? We want to say to people, do you want eternal life? Do you want this? Do you want that? What is the biggest gift that you can give to people? God! Do you want to know the Lord Jesus Christ? That is at the very center of our witness. And not so much that, oh, now you are saved, you go to heaven, see you in heaven. That is not witness. A witness is where relationships are beautiful and continuous, where we reflect something of the kingdom of God in our lives. Now, you may say, I have spoken around Psalm 47. We have spoken about the Zion Psalms, 46 and 48. And we have said that Psalm 47 is like a bridge that takes you from one psalm to another. We have then spoken about the exaltation of God, what it means. Let me emphasize again. If you don't have respect for your father or mother, if you don't have respect for a teacher or a person in authority, don't talk to me about your loving the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? You don't know what it means to love the Lord Jesus Christ. When you're so concerned with your own patterns, with your own expectations. If you have respect for people, you learn what it means to love the Lord Jesus Christ. And let it always be a testing stone. So now, what do you find in Psalm 47? I have Psalm 47 in front of me. And there are certain words that I've underlined. I can tell you the, the words, but this is the thing. In Psalm 46, God says, I will be exalted. I will be exalted. Psalm 47, verse 2, the Lord, the Most High, is awesome. The word Most High in Hebrew is Elyon. Elion is connected with a preposition, all. Do you hear the similarity? All, Elion. All means over. God is over. Then there's another word. Allah, to go up. In verse 5, it says God has ascended. He has gone up. What is the last word of this psalm? God is greatly exalted. Again, that same Word. In other words, this psalm really is playing on in verbs and in prepositions. God is exalted. Lift up your eyes to this God. Let there be a recognition of who God is. He is exalted. Let's now take a quick look at Psalm 47. After then saying that this psalm speaks about God's being, he, he is exalted. That is his being. Where we then see also the praise of the nations. First one already. Clap your hands, O nations. Why? For God is awesome. And again and again it will say why, or in its own way, by saying for. And so when we take a look then at this psalm, we see that there are two cycles. First one. Clap your hands, all your nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. 
for the Lord. Do you see that? For the Lord. Most high is awesome, the great king over all the earth. I'll have more to say about that. Then take a look at verse 6. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. Verse 7. For God is king. Why should I praise? Question. Why should we have a couple of worship songs at the very beginning? For some people, it, it gives them a few extra minutes to come into the auditorium and be seated. <laughs> you know, it, 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 when you start singing, it's time to get in. But what we have to recognize is sing praises for. And all too often, we don't have good reasons. We just sing. Let's just be honest. We sing, and we don't have a theological ground and that is really the essence. Namely, we come to worship God. Why? And all of a sudden we say, because Jesus died for me. Yes, that's fine. But is God more than that? Oh, yes, he's the creator. But is it that you have a sense of awe of people? That there are people of integrity here. People that you know and you've seen them wrestle with God and they have come through their battles, and they are just beautiful saints. So we can see God in people. We can see God in creation. And we begin to see that God is exalted. So if I can illustrate this, that here are a number of different levels. I'll not go all the way down, but gradually... I'm more aware of possibilities. And when I have the perspective of the congregation like this, that gives me a certain sense of I'm able to eyeball. I'm able to see you in your eyes and communicate. And so the psalmist then gives reasons, and we need to pay attention to the reasons. To start with, coming back to verse 1, clap your hands, all your nations. Why should the nations clap their hands? Verse 2, God is high, he's most high, he's awesome, he's the great king. So again, the word most high is connected to Elion, Allah, Al. We begin with a God who's most high. In what sense is he most high? Verse 3, he has subdued the nations under us, peoples under our feet. In other words, he has answered our prayers in the past. Then he continues in verse 4. He chose us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. So God then cares for people. He is the one who is victorious. He loves his people. So the people whom he loved... And then the third dimension in verse 5. God has ascended. He has ascended amid shouts of joy. The Lord amid the soundings of trumpets. What has happened in the history of Israel? Again and again, there were problems. God came in, took care of the problems. He gave them victory. He showed them that he loves them. Then the battle is over. And he goes then in heaven, and people are shouting 
They are rejoicing. They are grateful. God is king. He is king. Why? I've seen it. There was this difficulty we experienced, and the Lord has delivered us. There was that difficulty, whether it be battles or whether it is famine or whatever issues, God has delivered us. What has he done for you yesterday? Nothing yet. What about tomorrow? I hope, pray so. But we have this expectation that God will deliver us. Why? Because he has done that in the past, again and again and again. All you need to do is to read the Bible. And you know that God is alive. Read church history. You know, for example, when Martin Luther had his difficulties, he could sing, a mighty fortress is our God, because he knew that God is victorious. He was confident. What happened then in the Second World War during my early days on earth? There was the battle with the Nazis. That is all over, my friends. What about communism? It has largely come to an end in the kind of Soviet forum. God is working. Open your eyes and rejoice. Now, what is the greatest evidence that God takes care of his people? God came in the person of Jesus Christ into this world. He was a baby. Pardon this kind of imagery, but I need to make it. He was like any other baby. His deities were not dry. God was willing to enter into our existence in order to help us to understand the love of God in Jesus Christ. What happened when he died? He was really dead. And yet, of course, he was always God at the same time. The Father raised him up as evidence of the power of God for us. So that the death of the Lord Jesus Christ became a triumph. He ascended into heaven. And so now we can see that the very nature of God is one who comes into this earth and he then lives with us, understands our situation, has the same complaint that we have. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? David said it. Jesus said it. We say so. If you're honest, there are moments where you say, why have you forsaken me? Go back to this psalm. God has not forsaken his people because in the past he has been with his people and he has loved them and he has ascended triumphantly and he does it again and again until finally Christ will bring in the eternal state of a new creation, a new Jerusalem. But this is our hope. Why is this important? When your neighbors are asking all kinds of questions or when they use the name of Jesus in an inappropriate way. Don't get angry, but rather love them as the Lord Jesus Christ did. Matthew says repeatedly, Jesus was filled with compassion. Can you be filled with compassion when people use the name of Jesus inappropriately? Learn to accept it as well by speaking about your Savior, by praising your Savior, by having a church where Christ is clearly glorified. 
So that is the first. Praise. Why? Because God is involved. Then we take a look at another section of the psalm. Verse 6. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Now listen carefully. Sing praises to him. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble as the people of the God of Abraham, for the kings of the earth belong to the Lord. What is the psalmist saying? Let's sing praises, because God loves the nations. Nations join together with us, where the issue is not who is right, is the Hindu right, is the Christian right, is the Muslim right, but rather we learn to worship God. And as Christians, we worship God in Jesus Christ. And learn then what it means to worship God in Jesus Christ. Why should we be concerned? Because he is the king. He is the king over all the nations. And ancient Israel already received this message from Moses, namely Deuteronomy 32. O nations, worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Why is it important to worship the Lord? Think about what Jesus says. Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore make disciples. What we see is that the Lord Jesus Christ is the power of God manifest. Reading from Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Let's pray. Father, help us to understand more clearly what is meant by evangelism. It's not that a person is saved from your wrath only. It's rather there's a new life that is born where Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are at work where we are living in the very presence of God, he is exalted, he is ascended, only to bring us to himself, and that through Jesus Christ we have hope. I pray for the men and women, the boys and girls, that we may experience again how exalted you are, that you are greater than the mountains, than the seas, than the depths of the earth, you are God. And so we pray then in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.